What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are here on the Coach's Corner. I am Justin. I'm joined always, as always, with Caleb. Caleb, what's going on, man? Been quite a long day. Done several different things, but now it's time to do one of my favorite things, and let's talk some football. I hear you. I, I'm ready for it. It's been a stressful few days. Uh, found out the wedding venue that me and my fiance were going to be getting married at in early August is shutting their doors permanently. Just found that out on Friday. So we have about six weeks to uh, plan a wedding here. So pretty stressful. You know, man, I don't even remember the last time I've been to a wedding, but I know a lot of people around our country are probably dying to get to one just if not so they can have some social interaction around some other people. Yeah, I, I'm hoping we get it figured out, and I'm sure we will. But, you know, it's not just us that is suffering. A lot of people have been hit with this coronavirus. Um, so just if you can support your local businesses, I think it's important to do that right now. Yeah, especially. And speaking of struggling businesses, I know this is a football podcast, but, God, you got to really – you got to really just be devastated for how much these MLB owners are being affected right now. I mean, just absolutely destroying them. I don't even know how they could possibly ever with all the money they don't have pay any of these players even close to their full salaries. That's just not even feasible. I I can't even fathom in a day and age where people are starved for live sports that you can't come to some sort of agreement to put a product out on the field. You see already the PGA has started. The NFL is already talking about getting going. The NHL has figured out what they're going to do. The NBA has figured out what they're going to do, and they can't come together and figure out a way to put a product on the field. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. Roger Goodell deserves as much criticism for all the things he's done since his time as the commissioner of the league. But one thing I can stand by him with is I'm sure everybody else that plays football, he has at least shown commitment to the league and to being able to keep up with the league and be able to provide entertainment for people. And he seems to be, along with every player and every owner, all on the same page about playing games when everything gets re-going again. Yeah, can you imagine how devastating it would be to come off of a Super Bowl win and not have a season and a chance to run it back? That would be horrible. I mean, I think that would literally be the epitome of Chiefs luck. But speaking of the Super Bowl, there were a lot of plays in the Super Bowl that are going to go down as all-time plays. I'm talking about Jet Chip Wasp. I'm talking about the Watkins reception. I'm thinking about Damian Williams' big run at the end of the game. Justin, there were a lot of plays in that Super Bowl that are going to be underrated, but they absolutely had value in the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and helped shape those bigger plays that everyone is going to remember forever down the line. There are plays in that in that Super Bowl that I, I like you said I will never forget. You know, we're talking the Sammy Watkins reception after everything in his career, you know, so far in Kansas City to make a play like that at that time, toasting one of the all-time great corners and Richard Sherman, you know, whatever you think about him, whatever you think about the cover three scheme and how it's corner friendly, the guy's going to be considered one of the best ever, and he absolutely cooked him on that play. But like you said, there's plays that, you know, have kind of gone under the radar but were just as important in that game. And one of the things that I noticed, and I was tweeting out um, earlier in the, in the last week, was – 
the short yardage game plan by Andy Reid um, and Eric Bieniemy and, and the execution and some of that stuff that they did. You think about all of the demons that Andy Reid has had about you know being conservative, conservative, and all this stuff, and he was nothing of the sort on short yardage in the Super Bowl. On the very first play, offensive play of the game for the Chiefs, they came out and ran speed option to the right behind Schwartz. Schwartz got up to the backer. He did a good job. Williams played it out well. They're running it right at Nick Bosa. And the thing that I found interesting about them running it right at him, the Chiefs haven't shown anything like this since Alex Smith was in town, and they haven't even shown anything close to it since Mahomes has been in town in two years. And here they are in the biggest game, the most defining game of his entire career. Andy Reid has the guts to go out here and run a more or less a college spread type play in the biggest play of the game. They not only ran it on the first play of the game for seven yards on the uh, third possession of the game, after the interception from Breland on fourth and one, they ran it right at Bosa again, and they made him choose between hitting Mahomes or going after Williams. And as he came to hit Mahomes, Mahomes pitched it perfectly. and Williams got the first down. The chiefs got a big field goal out of that possession. Absolutely. And in in that play, which was so beautiful about it, and this is something that I know that you had talked about studying, it was all the motions and shifts that Andy Reid does in his offense. And if you look in that play, they start out and they're in a bunch formation with Travis Kelsey lined up attached to the formation. So he's lined up right next to Schwartz. Damien Williams is on the right side of Mahomes. And before that play happens, Mahomes shifts everybody. So he puts Kelsey out wide. He's got a safety on him. He sees the safety go with him. Damian Williams flips side from his right side to his left side. And you watch number 54 linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. He shifts over with him. Clear indication of man. So the Chiefs knew that they were going to be in man in that short yard situation. And putting that linebacker on the opposite side and having Williams go behind Mahomes on that option pitch made the linebacker run through all that wash and didn't allow him to get over the top to make the play on that option pitch. And I thought that's just such a simple, slight thing, but how brilliant is it to know what your defense is going to be doing against you and to use it against them? Yeah, at number 54 for the San Francisco 49ers, that's no scrub either. That's Fred Warner. That's a Pro Bowl caliber player right now there, but it just goes back into the whole motion type plays that Andy Reid runs. It's all about inducing a change in the defense based off of what they Chiefs do. Defenses have to react to what offenses do, and that's Andy Reid's way of being the aggressor. He is going to make you give Mahomes as much information pre-snap as possible so that when it comes down to it, he can make a quick decision and get the playoff, and the best plays in football are often made with a quick decision. And with the motion, too, you look at it on other plays that they that Kansas City had in that short yardage. They had another play, and it's another one that I tweeted out, is they line up under center. You got Tyree Kill, one of the best athletes in football, flying across uh, Pat Mahomes' backside on, on a fake jet sweep when he's under center, and then they come back with you know an inside split zone where Travis Kelsey, you know, he's always been knocked for his his blocking ability, but here he comes across the back of the formation and clips just enough of uh, Bosa's leg to get him off balance. Damian Williams sees it. It's a huge hole. You know, the the motion by Hill 
creates great angles for the offensive line because those linebackers start to flow to him. So they're able to pick him up and it's just a huge cutback lane. Just the designs that they had on short yardage were so good. They even used, you know, the option again on short yardage on the goal line. Like how, how amazing is that? Twice. They use that short option type reverse from Mahomes on the goal line twice. One of them resulted in the rushing touchdown early in the game just because the defense, when Mahomes did that little reverse out of there, they didn't. They couldn't decide if they wanted to go stop Williams or Mahomes, but Mahomes made a faster decision than they did. And then we see it during the comeback, the first touchdown of the comeback, uh, and Travis Kelsey pops wide open because everyone else is paying attention to Mahomes and Williams out of the backfield, but Mahomes does that little reverse step, but Travis Kelsey comes wide open. So that was kind of the point in the game when I knew Andy Reid was going to was able to dial up whatever he wanted to. And the short yardage was impressive because, like you say, that movement that they induce in the linebackers just was they have to move over to be able to account for somebody like Hill. Andy knows that. Pat knows that. And especially when they went against a much bigger, much more physical, and a much better front seven that the San Francisco 49ers had. Andy Reid found a way to once again become the Zen master and coach his way around it. And it was probably one of the best coaching performances I've seen in a Super Bowl in quite some time. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the one of the great points is that he saw the strength of the Niners and that that was their defensive line. Right. They knew he knew that they weren't going to be able to line up and just bully them. You can't just line up on third and one, third and two and try to smash it, you know, run your smash and run your power and just smash it up there and try to get your first down. He knew that they were going to have to do creative stuff. He knew that they were going to have to run the shift to Rose Bowl right parade. Right. He knew that they were going to have to put Travis Kelsey at quarterback and, and run fake inside zone uh, to Damian Williams and then an option with Kelsey and Hill. Like he's pulling out, he literally was pulling out all the stops. He knew how important it was. He knew that he needed to put pressure in, in, on that defense because they were they were an extremely talented team. They're an extremely talented defense. And honestly, I think after the, the Mahomes dislocated his knee against the Broncos, they weren't going to run too many more QB sneaks in short yardage. No, absolutely not. And going back to Rose Bowl Parade, yeah, I know it looks cool, and everybody thinks it was a play just to look cool. The kind of effect that that play had with that with the mo with that little spin motion to where Damian Williams came in also has to do with the alignment of the Chiefs because it still looks the Chiefs had an overload on the Chiefs overloaded one side of their offensive line and had extra tight ends in. Well, on the snap of the ball when everybody's spinning and Mahomes fakes that little pitch out, you can clearly see linebackers start to flow out to the right while Damian Williams takes the snap from a center that he wasn't even behind all the way because they knew they had to sell it, that Mahomes was going to get the snap. He gets the ball, and then these players are shifting over to the right. Well, they run right into the offensive line who's zone blocking back the other way. Mitchell Schwartz on that play had an outstanding block. He was in a combination with Fisher, who had been the offensive tackle over, and they get into this combination, and Schwartz is able to work up to the backer, and he gets the pancake block that sets up Williams for the first down, almost scored a touchdown. But, I mean, it just goes back to one of those things, like you say. Andy Reid had a plan for dealing with the 49ers, and he made them think. The 49ers, when they could go out there and play fast and play physical, they're a very hard team to stop. 
when Andy Reid's slowing them down and making their linebackers shift and putting their defensive ends in one-on-one situations with quarterbacks and running backs, that is not where they excel, but that's where the Chiefs do. And I, I think the one thing that you touched on there that was so important is that everybody sees the backfield and the and the Mahomes and Watkins and D. Will and they're spinning around and they're lining up and you have the direct snap and then you have the fake pitch and all that. But not too many people are noticing the offensive line up front and that was one of the situations where they were just mauling guys. They knew the importance of that play and they got up there and they paved the way. They were knocking dudes to the ground. They were finishing blocks and they created an alley, like you said, for, for Damian Williams to almost score a touchdown. And I think that goes unseen because everybody sees the fun stuff, the swirling and all that in the back in the backfield. No, absolutely. Speaking of uh speaking of underrated plays and finishing plays. Another underrated play of the Super Bowl was Derek Nottie's one-arm tackle that potentially slaved a massive rip. The Niners still got about four or five yards out of the play, but Derek Nottie gets on is on one knee, but he doesn't quit, and he reaches his big mid out there and is able to grab Mostert literally by the below his knees, right around the ankles, and he slows him down for only about four yards. You go back and look at the tape on that play. If he busts that, it might have been a whole different ball game. And I think that play is a play that kind of encapsulates Nottie's career thus far in Kansas City. An underrated guy that kind of flew under the radar when they picked him. Everybody's like, oh, he's going to be a solid defensive tackle, maybe a rotational guy on short yardage stuff. The guy came has come in since a rookie found a starting job and hasn't given it up. He's so solid in every aspect of the game. He does his job, and he's one of those figures on the inside that you can just count on that is so big when you are when you, when you need to play team defense like you know Coach Spagnuolo is preaching over there for Kansas City. Everything they do is, is so sound with a one-gap defense. If you're out of your gap, the whole play could be busted and not even stayed in his gap. And like you said, what, what an incredible play to get up off one knee and slow him down. Cause that, that really could have been, you know, a potential touchdown for Mostart. And it just goes back. I think it almost goes back to the scouting of guys that Veach and he, you know, cause he came in, Derek Nadi comes in. It was one, it was Veach's first draft. He was Veach's best pick in that draft is what it's looking like right now. But you go in and you look at him. Okay, he's obviously shown he has great character. He's a great team player. He does his job playing and play out. And then that big thing is he does his job plus more, plus that little something extra he's going to be able to do. You know, there he may only have – there's some games he may only have one tackle, may not show up much in the box sheet. But he's making an impact on the game. And this game in the Super Bowl, he was able to actually make his impact in the box score, and everybody was able to see it. And I really just think that for him to come in his rookie season and play that classic three-fours nose tackle and then be able to shift into a pretty much a 4-3-1 technique where he's going to be shaded on the center most of the time, I think that just shows you his football IQ, but also his versatility as a defensive lineman. 
Yeah, and he, he definitely is versatile because you can see he does, you know, he is mainly that one tech, but he can shift over to the three tech a little bit. And I noticed that they would do that a little bit um, when they would put Big Mike Pennell in there with him. Pennell would play the one tech and they would put uh, Naughty out to that three tech to give, you know, Chris Jones a blow um, when he needed it. And and speaking about Chris Jones, he's another guy that, man, he, he, he balled out in the Super Bowl and he had uh, a couple plays really that stood out you know he had the play where Breland had the interception he was the first one in there he absolutely cooked the guard and had immediate pressure that forced Garoppolo to step up to getting hit into Suggs and then Breland was able to pick off the air and pass off of that but he had another big play late in the game why don't you talk to me a little bit about that one so earlier this week I've been seeing a lot of things because we don't know what his contract status is right now but uh, Chris Jones, being a player who I've loved since he came here, I know a lot of people, I've seen things people are saying, well, maybe the Chiefs win the Super Bowl without Chris Jones. That's false. Chris Jones knocked down. He had three passes defended in the game. He visibly knocks down two of them. He doesn't just knock him down. He swats him like he's Shaquille O'Neal. And number th- and the third one, he gets just enough of it to be able to tip that. He only had one tackle in the box score. But if you go back and look at all the film on all those batted passes, number one, the 49ers were practically sliding to his side every time. He was getting double teamed close to every play. And I believe on one of those plays, the Chiefs were very mellow. He had three offensive linemen try to come after him. He knew he wasn't going to get there. So what's he too? He goes back and gets his arms up and arms up and bats down the pass. But you look at those plays. Garoppolo had men open on every single one of those plays. The one that comes to my mind, I believe, was the second down in like eight, and George Kittle is running clearly wide open on like some sort of a slant or in route on the middle of the screen. But CJ just gets his arms up and bats the pass down, and that's the kind of stuff that you just cannot teach to be able to have that innate ability. And those are also plays that make huge impact. I think those plays that he made to bat down those balls, thats I think that sat in Garoppolo's head, and I think that really affected him on those last plays of the drives. Because, yeah, he kept his jersey clean most of the game, but the Chiefs were starting to dial stuff up. And I think that as Garoppolo started to lose confidence in his passes, I think that's when everything started to go the Chiefs' way, and I think Chris Jones was absolutely, absolutely the catalyst for that. Yeah, and you know what is is so impressive, too, is because you look at the 49ers' offense, and Kyle Shanahan, that dude can call an offense. <laughs> he was putting on a clinic there for, for a little while, I'm not even going to lie, because the way he he's able to pair plays together – is something as an offensive player caller is it's so hard to do, but it's so critical to do. And he makes it look so seamless. Everything he does has a purpose. It's built off that wide zone scheme that they run. You know, they're running that wide zone and then they're coming back with reverses to Debo Samuel and then they're faking the reverse and they're throwing screens and then they have the play action to Kittle. I mean, he really was calling a brilliant game and that that's going to take a toll. You know, those wide zones and those reverses, that takes a toll on a defensive line. They're running, they're chasing guys. So to be able to have three bad passes in the, in the last one that he had there was in such a critical situation. Right, it was third and ten. You got to get the ball down on the ground. You can't let them convert and keep driving. There's like two minutes left in the game, 
it's such a critical play. And he was able to have enough left in the tank and rise up to the occasion where, like you said, he had like three guys going at him at some points where, you know what, you're not going to get to the passer, but what's the next best thing you do? You knock the pass down. No, absolutely. And he was, you knew he was going to have a target on his back all day as far as pass protection goes. He wasn't really able to get going. The Chiefs really weren't able to get much pass rush going in general until late in the game when they were forcing the 49ers to actually have to drop back and throw. But I think that it just says tons about the game itself to be able to see those plays as they're unfolding and just know, like, because in my head I said, that's a critical play. If that goes with one way, if that get, pass gets caught, things could go completely different. Because, you know, the Chiefs were still down when these batted passes were happening. They were still down. The 49ers, had they gone down and scored again, they're still, there's not a lot of time left on the clock, man. I mean, time was running out, and they would have been up two possessions. I know we have Patrick Mahomes. He's got limitations too, man. The Chiefs waited until the last possible second to be able to go, but I think that those plays that Jones made should never go unnoticed in the Super Bowl run because I think they were some of the biggest plays of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another defensive play that kind of stood out to me as being an underrated play was a play that after the Chiefs started making their comeback, they had just run Wasp and converted it. They just scored their touchdown, so they got, you know, they're starting to get the momentum on their side. Well, the 49ers come back, and as the 49ers do, they start to move the the ball a little bit. They have a manageable third down. It's third and five, and Steve Spagnola doesn't sit back. He goes, we're going to blitz, we're going to play man, and you better find somebody, Jimmy G, because we're coming after you. So he actually ends up putting three pass rushers to the one side. It would be the defensive right side of the line. He puts Tano Passigno, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark all on the right side of the, the defense, the left side of the 49ers offensive line. K-Pass runs a little strunt, little stunt. He crosses the face of the center to get his attention, and Ben Neiman comes in on a little delayed blitz and absolutely crushes Jimmy Garoppolo as the ball, as he's just throwing the ball, which ends up being an errant pass. There's still great coverage everywhere. They had they did what they had been doing all at the end of the year. They put Sorensen on the back. They had Tyron Matthew out there on Kendrick Bourne, who was the pass was intended to. And as soon as that thing went incomplete, you know, Tyron Matthews out there pointing at his head said, we knew it was coming. We had you the whole time. But I thought it was a big play because it just kept the momentum on the Chiefs side and it forced that punt to get him the ball back. And absolutely, Spags knew what time it was. We've seen the Chiefs sit back on their laurels a year ago when Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator and let Tom Brady pick them apart. There was no intention of anybody on that defense to let that happen. So what did they do in what was at that time the biggest play of the game? They went out there and they did what they'd done all year. They brought an exotic blitz. They pretty much just less said, we're going to play you guys man on man and you're not going to beat us. And then Ben Neiman, I know he takes a lot of flack from Chiefs Kingdom a lot of the time. Some of it deserved, some of it undeserved. He's a good special teams guy. But he comes in and he lays a smack on Jimmy G. And then all of a sudden the Chiefs have the ball back. And all of a sudden more stuff started to tick in Jimmy G's heads. More things are starting to wide. He's starting to see looks he hasn't seen all season. The stuff on tape's not looking good. He's starting to maybe get into his head. 
that he's not going to be able to just hand the ball off the rest of the game. He's going to have to go down and throw. And we saw what happened here a couple of possessions later. He overthrows that deep ball. Why? The Chiefs might have gotten into his head on some of these plays here. Yeah, there's nothing better to to get into a quarterback's head than taking a a nice big hit on on a blitz from a linebacker, and that's exactly what Neiman did. So that that was a lot of fun. Um, one of the other plays that we kind of touched on a little bit in one of our previous podcasts was how Frank Clark is kind of the closer, right? He closed out every single playoff game that the Chiefs had with with a sack. He had an incredible run in the playoffs as far as production is concerned. And everybody at the beginning of the year was screaming, I can't believe we paid this guy all this money. He's not playing well. Well, then it comes out that the guy he's playing through not even be able to feel his hands basically because he's going with through so many injuries. And then you see when he finally says, he says, yeah, I'm finally, I'm, I'm healthy now. You're going to see the real Frank Clark. And guess what? We did. And he's the one that goes out and closes, like I said, every playoff game pretty much. And then again, gets a sack late in the game to close out the Super Bowl. And he also had that stomach bug. Now, if you've watched Frank Clark's film from when he was in Seattle, the first thing I saw off of film from him was an absolutely wicked bull rush that he could just rip ridiculous power in and run counter moves off of. And we didn't really see that early in Kansas City. And then you come out and find out the stomach virus caused him to get down to about 245 pounds, which is honestly about 20 pounds less than his ideal playing weight. Kind of messes up you when you're a power player, not having all your weight and all your strength is going to really mess up how you play. So what do the Chiefs start doing with Frank Clark? They start He starts introducing that little head duck move, something, something a guy like a speed guy like Von Miller would do, the little head duck move, starts throwing in some more hand combinations. What do the Chiefs do on the last play of the game with a lighter Frank Clark? Oh, they run him on a big super twist across the inside in which also Chris Jones comes across the line and absolutely destroys the guard that was, or the, sorry, excuse me, this, I, yeah, it was the center and the guard were coming down to get Clark because Clark was coming through and Chris Jones levels one of them and just absolutely knocks him off because Jones knew he wasn't going to get there. He just had too many eyes on him. But what he did was he got there so that Clark could have just a second to be able to get to Garoppolo. And in the flood, the biggest play on the fourth down, Garoppolo couldn't do anything except for sit there and eat the sack and he tried to throw it away, but it got whistled dead. And to me, that was one of the plays that it will be forgotten in the Super Bowl just because of how many big ones there were and because it wasn't that ceiling clutch play, but it has all the aspects of the Chiefs defense that year. Movements, blitzes, great coverage, and the big thing was team play. Chris Jones, in his contract season, he could have tried to get a sack on one of the last plays of the Super Bowl and gave every, everybody something to remember. What he did was he allowed his teammate who had already been paid and his teammate who had been heavily criticized to be the guy that goes back there and makes the play to basically seal the Super Bowl and give the Chiefs the ball back in which they would go and score. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I've probably watched that Super Bowl. I, I can't even tell you how many times. And every single time I watch it, I find something small like that that I can look back and go, wow, that was, 
I missed that. I missed that the first time I watched it or the second time I watched it or the third time I watched it. But man, that was, that was a pretty big player, man. That was brilliantly coached by, you know, coach Andy Reid or coach Biennemi or coach Bagnola or one of those guys, because they really did have just an incredible game plan for that entire Super Bowl. But you know, that, that, that's like we said, we're going to remember that Super Bowl forever and we're going to remember those big plays. But I think it was really fun to go back and look at some of those underrated plays that people might forget about. So, you know what? I want to hear from, from Chiefs Kingdom out there. What are some underrated plays that you guys might have? If you got something, leave it on Twitter, leave it in the comments because I want to know because I want to go back and I want to watch it. I'm a guy that likes to watch the film as many times as I can. So, I'm going to go back and watch it if you leave something for us. But, uh, Caleb, what do you got? What are you working on right now for Arrowhead Live? So before I go into what I was working on, one more underrated play I just thought of off the top of my head. Um, some people wanted to test Patrick Mahomes, question his toughness a couple of times this past season. And I think when he uh, took that big hit and got up right away, that was definitely one big play from the Super Bowl. But we'll talk about that a different time. So right now I am continuing to work on my GMKC series and I hope you all got to see the Twitter compilation of underrated plays Chris Jones made in the Super Bowl on Twitter. You can go check that out. That's kind of the foundation for my articles. I'm going to be writing about Chris Jones' contract and the issues surrounding it and all the craziness and questions and things that nobody knows what's going on. I'll touch on that. I'll probably also briefly touch on Patrick Mahomes. And uh, that's pretty much the only writing I've been doing so far. Of course, I'm also starting a very slow process to find high-quality film on him, but I'm starting a Will Shields film review, which, mind you, this uh, video from uh, the 90, the late 90s, early 2000s isn't the best, so it's going to be a process for me to find some good quality stuff, but I hope you guys are all ready because Will Shields is on the Chiefs' Mount Rushmore, and he still might be the most physically dominant chief of all time. So I hope you guys will enjoy that. Justin, what do you got going? Yeah, um, I'm personally looking forward to that Will, Sh- Will Shields thing because I remember those great offensive lines that he played alongside with, and it, and it was one of the most beautiful things you can watch in football to watch those guys work. So I'm pumped for that. But what I'm working on, I'm actually going to be starting uh, a new series that's going to be coming out every Wednesday. It's going to be Power Ranking Digest, where I'm basically going to go every Wednesday and I'm going to power rank something new, whether it's you know the NFL teams, whether it's offenses, quarterbacks, drafts. It's going to be I'm going to be power ranking everything and anything you can think of. So I'm pretty excited for that to be coming out. Um, also this Friday, I'm going to be working on an article about what is. More important for the Chiefs this season and moving forward, Andy Reid or Pat Mahomes. And that is like choosing between your two favorite ice creams, between your two favorite kids, whatever you can think of, because I don't know if one is more important than the other or one is better than the other. So it's going to be an interesting to see how that folds out. Um, one other big thing I want to let everybody know is the Chief, the, the coach's corner has now has their own Twitter handle, it is at the corner underscore AL. So it's the corner underscore AL. Make sure you're following us there. We're going to have all of our podcasts up on that. We'll be retweeting everything. We'll be putting out, you know, videos like we always do. You can also find me at jdiz1617 on Twitter. You can find Caleb 
at CJ Scoobs on Twitter. And he, this, this guy's grinding the film all the time, so you're going to make sure you want to follow him. Follow us. Leave your comments, guys. We appreciate you being here. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon, Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs>